Ginny sat cross-legged on the grass at the end of the road, picking at the worn knee of her jeans. Hermione had given them to her last summer. They were now her favorite trousers, and she planned to wear them out. She didn't care if they were all supposed to wear robes and hats and be grown-ups about it now that Hogwarts was over with. She wanted to wear muggle things. It was summer, after all, and sleeveless tops were much more comfortable than heavy, long-sleeved robes. That was, at least, when the sun was bothering to shine. It was shining hotly enough today. Ginny squinted up against it and saw a small shadow flying back and forth in the sun's glare. Harry on his firebolt. She knew he still loved that firebolt. And, like Remus had said, Harry was out here now using the firebolt to burn it off. He was burning off the tension of seven years spent waiting to be killed, burning off the guilt he felt over the people who had lost their lives when he hadn't. It would definitely take time. Time was all right, though, Jenny reflected, stretching out on her back and shutting her eyes. She had time, plenty of it. A whole year stretched ahead of her, unplanned and unknown. There wouldn't be a final year at Hogwarts for her. Thanks to the destruction caused on the last day of war, that seventh year, which should have been her finest, had been stolen. But she hadn't been lying to Harry earlier. She really didn't feel horrible about it. It was only school, after all. She had lost worse. She had lost a brother in the war. Percy was never coming back. It was still extremely difficult to believe, and Ginny didn't know if it would ever really hit her. She repeated it to herself sometimes. Percy's dead. Percy's dead. She waited for it to make her cry or break her down. But it had never hit her all the way through, not even at the memorial service, which had been so beautiful and sad. She'd cried there, but only very briefly. She couldn't get rid of the strange, stupid belief that Percy was just on holiday, that he would be home at Christmas, that there were still seven of them. She wondered how Penelope was doing. Penelope, she was quite sure, had felt the hit right away. She had looked a wreck at the memorial service. She opened her eyes quickly, blinking against the sun, and counted herself lucky that Harry was alive. Jenny had used to wonder what she would do if something ever happened to Harry during the course of all the fighting. She'd sat in her dormitory in Gryffindor on a hundred nights, calmly telling herself that, although everything was being done to prevent his death, of course, the truth was that Harry was in terrible danger, worse than anyone else's. And then, at the idea of a world without any Harry in it, Jenny had used to break down crying into her pillow just at the idea. Hermione's request in April had come as a relief, a surprise and a relief. Ginny had so wanted to do something for Harry, and Expecto Sacrificum had finally given her that opportunity. I need to ask you something. It's about Harry. Ginny remembered how she had sat up instantly, defensively, expecting to be questioned about her private feelings. But that hadn't been Hermione's objective at all. I don't even know how to ask you this. There's a spell. Well, there isn't one yet, but we're going to build it, in Harry. I've been doing research, and in terms of arithmancy, well, you know the way that spells have their elements. 
I'm basing this one on the Patronus, and as far as I can tell, for it to really work, we're going to need four corners, four elements. Am I making any sense? Jenny had shaken her head. For once, Hermione hadn't been making much sense at all, but it hadn't mattered. Whatever it was, Jenny had known it was necessary. She'd leaned forward intently. Go on. It's a sacrifice spell. Everyone involved will provide the elements of the sacrifice, like Ron and me. We're giving Harry the first corner. That's friendship. The second corner comes from a mentor. It probably would have been Dumbledore if he were alive, but Professor Lupin is going to do it. And then we needed a guardian. That's serious, of course. Hermione had hesitated then, and Ginny had held her breath, waiting. And the fourth element is true love. But Ginny, think about this before you answer. I want you to know what you're agreeing to. Yes, I'll do it. There had been no pause, no question in her mind. Hermione seemed to have expected this. She had taken Ginny's hand and looked at her gravely. You might be giving your life. That doesn't matter, she paused. Does Harry know you're asking me to do this? Yes, he does. And he said that I could... Ginny, Hermione had pressed her hand gently. Who else could it possibly be? Ginny looked back into the sky now and watched Harry take a steep, reckless dive that might have thrown a professional flyer off his broom. But Harry merely pulled out of it at the last second, climbed into the sky again in spirals, and dove once more. He didn't even know that she was sitting there watching him. Yes, who else could it possibly have been? They'd come to her to complete that spell because her love had never been a hidden thing. Ginny gave a resentful little laugh. It might as well have been hidden. Harry was about as vocal now as he had been all those times that he'd stayed with them at the burrow. He talked to her. He was always polite and considerate. Or, at least he had been then. But he refused to open up to her refused to give her any indication that he knew and accepted how she felt. She'd hoped that his allowing her to participate in the spell had meant something. He'd known what she was there for. Ginny rolled over on her stomach and stared at the grass. She didn't want to look at Harry, for the moment. Perhaps it had only been a week since the end of the war, and perhaps she should keep being patient, but she couldn't help questioning why it was that she still followed wherever he went, and she couldn't help despising herself a little bit for it. Perhaps she should have gone home to the burrow to be with her mother. It was useless trying to hash through anything with Harry right now. But she knew, somehow, that he was aware of her presence. He needed her company. He wanted her there. She didn't know how she knew it, but she did. It was as clear to her as anything he could have said out loud. If it hadn't been clear, she wouldn't have followed him. It was terribly painful to watch him going through all this. But if he needed her, she wouldn't go anywhere, that was certain. It was three hours at least before Harry landed and walked toward her. He didn't seem to notice how long it had been, and frankly, Jenny didn't mind three hours of sun after the last year of war. All the hiding and secrecy and fear had driven everyone indoors, and she had missed the light and air. 
although, she thought, looking at her uncovered arms, it might have freckled terribly by now. She was too fair for three unprotected hours of midsummer sunshine. She looked up from her arms as a shadow fell over the place where she sat. Harry was standing there, sweating, exhausted, his hair everywhere, gripping his broom. He didn't say anything. "'I think it's probably lunchtime,' Jinny murmured, not wanting to make him talk if he didn't want to. Harry nodded. "'Well,' she went on, "'I think I might walk back up the road then. We could eat lunch at Remus's, or go into the village to see what there is. Any preference?' Harry shrugged. Jinny tried to smile at him. "'Let's just go back, then, and see what happens.' Harry nodded again. Jinny pushed herself off the ground and stood next to him, wondering how long Harry would be able to go without saying a single word. If his present mood was any indicator, it would probably be a good long time before he spoke. He wanted to speak in gestures? That was fine. Jinny didn't mind walking with Harry, in silence. They were halfway up the road, when Jinny realized, out of the corner of her eye, that he was looking at her. She glanced at him, but said nothing. For a while longer they walked in silence, and then, to her surprise, Harry broke it. "'Your arms are burnt.' Jinny shivered in the June heat. Why did everything he say make such a difference to her? She'd never understand it. "'Yes, I'm sure they're burnt. My nose, too, probably, and I'll bet all my freckles have come out.' "'Your nose is fine.' Jinny couldn't help but be pleased at that. "'Still, I should get a hat,' she said. "'We're going to be outside in the sun a lot, I hope, this summer. "'I have a hat you can wear. I'll bring it down at lunch.' Her stomach tightened. "'Thanks.' They walked back to Lupin Lodge, and Harry went off upstairs to shower, leaving Jinny to sit in the living room and wait. She did so willingly, as usual, feeling the bridge of her nose carefully to see if it really was burned or not. She was touched that Harry wanted to give her his hat, but, she reminded herself, she had to try not to let it mean too much to her. She crossed her legs on the sofa and picked at the knees of her jeans again, pulling out the little frayed white threads almost meditatively as she listened to the shower run upstairs. She would never understand how she could love Harry as much as she did with as little as she had to go on.